and welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, media and public relations. Good morning, Stephen. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing a little dance because we're recording this on the morning of Friday, the 5th of March. Schools are going back. Yeah, the kids are going back to school. Uh, And I bet we're not the only ones celebrating in a similar fashion. Um, Go on then. Let's run through what we are talking about today. So several stories from the news this week of business failures that have been labelled as PR disasters. We're going to call those out. The extraordinary situation going on in the royal household with uh, Meghan Markle. Um, some interesting work being published, uh, survey data published this week on the future of the F office. Let's explore that. Uh, British American tobacco's use of, of influencers. There's been some uh, investigation into that. I'm keen to cover that. And then highlights from the budget. Let's go. First, though, starting with Ryanair. <laughs> Ryanair has called the government's funding for airlines a publicity stunt. It's a little bit rich, right? Yeah, so Michael O'Leary is uh, never shy of coming forward with a controversial opinion. Um, he has basically said that the UK government support for aviation is just a PR stunt. Um, I immediately took umbrage at that. I, you know, <laughs> very defensive of our industry. We don't always get it right. We don't have completely ethical operators all the time. But the majority of us do sign up to a code of conduct. And I do, you know, have an issue with PR being being labelled as such. And it was interesting because I got um, narky about that. And then the next story I read um, was a piece by Hadley Freeman in The Guardian. There's a, a new HBO programme being made about Woody Allen and, and Farrow. And uh, she talks about that being a big piece of PR for Farrow. And I, again... And then she she likened it to a paid US political campaign where um, where someone might have a go at, at their opponent, and that really made me feel a little bit sick. Actually, that someone that's that's their first approach. That's what they saw public relations as being about. When it's it's not at all akin to what I recognise uh, as what we do. So this is this is uh, criticism of the fact that Mia Farrow gets painted in a favourable light, where in the movie Woody Allen um, less so. Um, Gordon Beatty also has, has vented ire this week. Uh, you've been very cross this week. Uh, to, to be <laughs> what fair. am I not? I'm just everybody's <laughs> just tired and you know a little bit emotional. This one was a really interesting story. So there was a massive. Pile it's not on interesting at all. It's a. It's a, a chairman of an agency, Gordon Beatty. Uh, the. the agency in his name that he founded beta communications he posted on uh on uh linkedin in poor taste at least the pr industry thought it in poor taste um called him out and two days later he resigned it created an awful lot of gossip and a lot of um people wading in and um to be honest his post was really badly thought through and I don't think you can cut it any other way and that actually it comes from a racist position because he hadn't considered his white privilege and it was potentially meant with the best of intentions but uh, really that that person needs to do an awful lot of work um, and to understand the issues that um, he well he's now confronting face on um, but I had a bit of an issue with the the LinkedIn pylon and pylon that I saw elsewhere in that there were a lot of white people like us giving Gordon Beatty what for. 
And um, I think we have to be really careful with this. And I've got, I think um, it was Arvind Hickman of PR Week wrote uh, an interesting piece where he talked about we haven't, we mustn't play and fight for these diversity of credentials because you know what? People like us, and I hold myself fully accountable, people like me need to work really hard not to be racist and to understand the issues and to help our, you know, and I don't like this term particularly, BAME colleagues fight against oppression. And this is what happens every single day. And it's very easy when someone makes a mistake to, to shout, at them and point at them and, and distract attention from yourself but actually it's all of us individually that need to do work it's a very good point well made mrs waddington let's move on to the extraordinary situation you you'd think that the royal household had more <sighs> to worry about well talking about racism <laughs> yeah talking about racism then issuing statements about alleged bullying by Meghan markle so story in the times this week that uh, Palace Insider has raised issues alleging bullying. Uh, um, both the Palace and Meghan Markle have gone to the extraordinary situation uh, of issuing statements about it. This is suspected to be piling pressure for a, a, an upcoming interview that Meghan's making this week, but who knows? It, it's just, you know, you, you'd think there were bigger things to deal with, right? I, I just think, I mean, like, when you've got media... Um, using titles like open hostility, royal drama, um, you, you know there is a really big issue uh, ongoing and that the stakes are quite high for all the parties. But for me, this looks like, and I think I tweeted this, what it is, it seems to me a vendetta against Meghan. She's occupying space. She's refusing to be silent. She's got her own agenda and it feels very calculated on behalf of the palace. And I, I find that painful. I've always, you know, loved the monarchy I think it's an important part of our history. You know, yes, they cost a lot of money, but also they bring in a huge amount in terms of tourism um, and GDP. So for me, I just this is it's just really grubby, and I think it's you know it's really unpleasant, particularly because this is quite a young couple with a young family who are trying to break out of. of what they've been born into and I just think best of luck to them and I hope Megan continues because obviously she's rattling the right people in the right way. Yeah, grubby's, grubby's the right world. I mean, right word. It's, it's exactly right. So this as well as the thing that I, I can't get over is meanwhile, Prince Philip has been in... in a... He's in hospital and Prince Andrew, I mean, if you compare the, con- the, the, the compare and contrast the, the treatment of Prince Andrew who, oh, the allegations against him turn your stomach... As, as such as they are, they are still allegations. And then you compare that against Meghan, who hasn't, uh, doesn't appear to have actually done anything that has, has been proved. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just astonishing. Yeah, so, so the Prince, Prince Andrew's situation, allegations of connections with Jeffrey Epstein, um, uh, that the, the palace just has been utterly silent on it. It's, it's, it's extraordinary and um, let's move on future of the office there's a brilliant survey this week probably one of the the richest surveys that that i've seen of its type into british british professionals attitudes to returning to the office uh, they polled 2000 people so you know good sample uh, right the way across the uk 20 of us one percent are working from our toilet um that, that was the headline that jumped out for me or at least you know my Gutter mine took me there when I, I looked at the infographic and dug into the data. I'd like to make light of that and say, 
hiding from kids, but actually it's really quite a horrible thought if you're thinking really that's what people's working conditions have been reduced well, it, to. Yes, yeah, so, so so exactly. So there's this infographic uh, within the report that shows, you know, 1% working in the hallway, 1% working in the bathroom, you know, 15% of people working in, you know, a bedroom. Granted, if, you, if you're, um, you know, if you're middle class and, and um, you know, in your 30s, like 50s, we are. Yeah, and, right. and have have a house and space then you know lockdown's a reasonable experience if you're you know in your 20s in a house share and you haven't got any outside space it's entirely different and so the headline is uh, the report is you know old people want to get back uh, old, old people, want people. To you can't people. frame it like that no but it's really <laughs> okay. interesting and this this argument is really complex and, and you can't self-reference and it's very easy to do that and I think everybody agrees that with the experience of working from home, the benefits of it and the bits that people like, you know, a hybrid approach would work for the future, but then that comes with its own complexities and one size doesn't fit all. And people have, as you say, accommodation issues. There's this whole, we haven't, I don't think most organisations have really worked out how they recompense staff for the costs that they incur from working at home you know we've just come through winter season we've had the heating on incessantly here now like I say we're in a a privileged position we can afford that and also we can offset a little bit against one of our businesses but you know not everybody's in that position I think the other thing and we've talked about this elsewhere you know workplaces work for a lot of people because they offer things that they don't get at home some for some people are escape but for others that's where they are most creative they enjoy company it's back to Maslow's hierarchies and needs and and for productivity you know it's about that transfer of tacit knowledge and the other things that happen when people get together and actually they're together physically in one space um, because not everything can be done easily or transfers well using technology like zoom or teams much as it's transformed life it's also incredibly tiring and and not suitable as a permanent solution and i think the other thing we need to think about is i've seen people say oh um well those who are going back to the office full-time we're gonna we're gonna struggle finding talent well i think there's also you know those who don't offer an office scenario will also struggle to find talent and certainly from the workforce of the future because it's you know it's our undergraduates and, and graduates and, and and people who are like leaving school who actually want to go into that environment and, and that that survey by Curry's place to that point you've uh, you clearly read the the article that I wrote about this yesterday I pretty much dictated it <laughs> let's face I, it I, let's let's stand let's it fair in this like house you. we have a conversation you write it up <laughs> <laughs> it seems to work let's Let's don't give away all my secrets. Let's leave. Let's leave with the headlines. Right. Um, you accuse me of self-referencing, but more than a quarter of workers want to work from home permanently. Forty-four percent want a hybrid approach. Twenty-five percent want to head back to the office full time. Crucially, the point that you made: sixteen to twenty-four year olds are more likely to want to head back into the office over fifty-five. Keenness to work from home, uh, and and yes, to your point, you know we've got to listen to the future generation because they are the workforce. By fifty-five, most people, or well, a lot of people, have control over 
what their job looks like. You know, they're in, you know, no, but you know what I mean? We, we can Sarah's build. shaking her head. I ain't going to be working by the time I'm 55. I can bloody I've got it. a plan. Lottery tickets. <laughs> I've even gone to scratch cards this week. I mean, this is, this is getting desperate, but it's there. Genuinely, you know, if you've got control over your day and, and you've got nice working environment and you can afford the additional costs that comes from working from home. And if you're like me, for example, antisocial, you don't really want to see people. It's the perfect scenario. It's <laughs> not going to work for everybody. And, and, I, and I maintain that. That. but a hybrid approach would I be can't great work. i would i, I would pati- well, you can't i oh know you can't wait i can't wait for you to go either but it would be wonderful <laughs> i do think if if one of the big um benefits of the pandemic because there has to be some silver linings if we got our high streets regenerated and people were able to to work um from from workplaces close to them as a kind of like that hybrid measure that that would be wonderful to see you know it'd be lovely to see our high high streets populated because they're looking very sad at the moment yeah okay move on uh let's talk about british american tobacco so uh, mm. a, an investigation by the bureau of investigative journalism a wonderful organization has criticized british american tobacco for targeting its products at young people uh, often in developing market using developing markets using emerging forms of media it's a great piece of work by matthew chapman who reported on bats use of paid influencers on instagram uh, and tic-tac sponsorship of uh, music and sports events on on uh, esports tournaments that you know appear on youtube they're all in breach of the platform's own terms and conditions you know and 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 certainly breach ethical standards so i dug into this when when i read this story it was first appeared in in the observer uh, a couple of weeks ago and then was fo- been followed up by most media and i had went and looked in the invested decks to to try and understand this organization and um you know in the shift from cigarettes to um other forms of um tobacco products you know how it how it's going to make that move and it's firmly uh, targeting growth in in the shift to to vaping and and oral tobacco products um so you know making this transition a, a crucial time for the business but also you know what stating that it's grow, wanting to grow so you know the conclusion that i came to looking through all this is the only way that it could do that and be so aggressive is to you know work at the fringes of new new markets and, and new forms of media where you know it's all a bit murky and falls outside regulatory um, scrutiny great bit of work by the bureau for investigative journalism you know i'm a bit disappointed that colleagues in in public relations and communications professional communications that beat the drum on ethics you know no one's commenting on this no one's concerned about this in the slightest but here we are right under our nose you know is a massive ethical ethical case study playing out yeah it's huge it's absolutely huge and we've seen this happen in the past i mean with there's all these thank you for smoking and, and other films that um um well you we actually saw this brought to life um and it's yeah as you say it's happening right now when we're not really paying attention right under our noses right under our yeah so shout out to to the work of the bureau of investigative journalism we both make contributions to it to its work it's um you know really important organization doing investigative journalism that that you know where budgets have been cut elsewhere um let's talk about the budget the budget this week what do you want to pick out? Where are you going to go with this? Um, you want me to start? Yeah, you start. I mean, I, I, I'm really struggling to find 
much. I so mean, this- the, the, the biggest issue I have is the 1% pay rise for our healthcare staff, lack of um, investment in social care. Um, where is the green agenda being prioritised? I think this is a lot of short-term wins with no long-term vision. And to be honest, it makes me a little bit sick. How's that? <laughs> How's that for a soundbite? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I, I I talk to you know talk to my clients about where growth's going to come out of COVID and you know the government had this grand strategy uh, for for investment in things like the green agenda and AI uh, and I was hoping to see that brought back in this budget but it's just ignored it seems like it's you know it's stuck on a shelf somewhere gathering uh, gathering dust and as you say that's really disappointing and what we saw here is a bunch of measures to plug yeah short-term growth and um, the leveling up agenda oh pork pie politics at its best i mean you know we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to deliver on this leveling Obvious. up promise Obvious. Uh, well Obvious. but no it was really what boris was you know no we had the austerity agenda before with osborne and and then it was about okay, the sorry, big society then with cameron and what else did we have all that synthetic nonsense um but then we've had two years of Boris giving it that we're going to level up. We haven't really seen that. It hasn't really been house building, hasn't been anything. And of course, there has been a number of significant um, investment promises this week, but all around areas which have the conservative mayors or constituencies. So it's quite it's quite difficult, isn't it, really, to, I mean... <sighs> take what you will from that because it, I think I think it says very clearly what the intention is there they're certainly trying to shore up um red seats where they've taken those there's um uh, uh, another excellent investigative uh, media organization one of those sort of you know a bit like the bureau for investigative journalism fact check this morning um uh, called out the the government for not publishing the the formula for prioritizing areas yeah so all um, the areas a lot of the areas yeah are tend to be in Tory constituencies which are not the ones that are most dire need of, of investment it's it's quite astonishing it's wholly unsurprising um I'm sure many people will disagree with me but it is also for my personal opinion quite sickening it just it's it, it, we're not all in this together I can tell you that much Listeners, let us know your views in the, <laughs> in the regular channels. You can contact Sarah via Twitter <laughs> at BusinessBuds. Um, furlough was extended to September. That's good. I mean, you know, short-term measures to get us out of COVID. And um, the VAT cuts continued for, for hospitality and tourism. You know, fair play. They're welcome. But it is short-termism. A bit of a scary one, uh, corporation tax. It's going to rise from 19 to 25% in 2023. But So we've got a couple of years to prepare for that. And it also is an escalator. But yeah, that was a bit of a shocker. What? Yeah, but at least we saw, I mean, like, let's, and Will's try and find some positives now. Um, VAT cuts for hospitality and tourism and some interventions for there and to help them get up and running and to give them a little bit of breathing space. Absolutely 100% to be welcomed and, and thank goodness for that. Finally, some support for the self-employed, um, particularly, you know, people who um, became self-employed early last year. Um, absolutely terrible timing with the with the devastating impact of the COVID pandemic. So, there were some things that were well overdue, but at least have finally been addressed. And that is to be welcomed. There we go. I found a positive. Price of booze isn't going up, Sarah. That's also helpful. <laughs> <laughs> your bottle of Sauvignon Blanc is still going to cost you 750 Actually, the 
the stuff you drink is near 11 quid isn't it stop telling our secrets i'm reducing (laughs) the amount i drink so i've increased slightly the the the, the bottle i'm drinking but this is this is not good but anyway we're now back on dry march or whatever on i can't even tell Drive what time scales are better anymore. quality but less better quality but right less. come on let's wind this motto. up i've got something that i would like to plug and so have you uh, my one is um we had a blog recently um from the lovely advita patel and priya bates about their um leader like me diversity in action conference please look it out it's happening on march 23rd there are still tickets available uh if you are really interested in understanding diversity dealing with our inherent bias um making the workplace uh, a more equal place to be please do take a look sign up great speakers great content well worth your time and money sounds like gordon beatty needs to attend yeah let's sign him up send him a send him a ticket okay i'm just i'm just going to mention WorldsCon the the conference event that we did the first one last week uh really successful uh we're going to bring it back in march um we've got speakers on search listening uh the opportunity for PR post-COVID, qual research using a really disruptive technology, and then a really uplifting piece on the opportunity for PR to bring uh, to win back uh, SEO budgets. And that's a wrap. Until next time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future Proof Podcast with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Mrs. Underscore Wads and Stephen at Wads. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet.